Welcome to the Ever Athlete Podcast, where we discuss performance in life and sport. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Smith, and I'm a coach to elite athletes, CEOs, and everyday humans. In this show, we discuss performance training, longevity, and stories for personal growth. Before we dive into the show today, I want to remind you of the important role that you play in the success and growth of this show. If you enjoy the content that we're bringing through these episodes, please subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, and if you can, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. What's up and welcome to the pod. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week so far. And today we are diving into a solo episode that'll have a slightly different format. So we're not going to have some deep lesson that we're diving into today, but more so I'm just going to touch on a few different topics and kind of update you guys on the Ever Athlete universe and everything going on with us, mainly because I am lagging so hard this week. This week has been jam-packed with treatment and working with people in the gym and all sorts of stuff. And so... This podcast is kind of happening off the cuff, but I'm stoked to make sure that we put this one out because the audience is growing for this thing. You know, when we started putting this podcast out, I really figured that it would be an audience of myself and probably my mom, maybe my wife, and maybe a handful of other people. But as things have grown, it feels like, holy smokes, we really got to make sure that we're, we're putting out podcasts on a regular basis. The goal is to do one to two a week at a minimum. And we're going to hit that mark this week. And the cool thing is we've got some awesome interviews lined up for the next month. Uh, I've got a podcast dropping with Sonia Looney next week. Make sure you check that episode out because it is a great conversation. And then I've got a couple awesome guests coming up uh, that I'll be flying out to meet with and just super excited for some of the people that, that we're going to have on the show. But for today... It's just me and actually me and the birds that are hanging out on the roof of Ever Athlete Santa Cruz. These birds have quickly become kind of co-hosts on this show because every time I sit down, the birds just start talking to each other. And so if you hear birds in the background, please embrace them as I am because there's no stopping them. Uh, But so what's happening this week? This week, I'm coming off a great weekend where my wife and I flew up to Oregon and I competed in the Ironman 70.3 triathlon up there in Salem and had a total blast this weekend. We were up there with family and friends and this was my first ever triathlon. I'd never done a triathlon before, believe it or not. And this was my first one. And so learning all the ins and outs of nutrition and the transitions and putting together all of the events on the same day was such a great learning experience and a really great opportunity to just kind of get in the community and experience the triathlon scene. So my wife and I got out there on Friday and um, prior to the race, a couple weeks ago, I was doing a bike ride and I was riding on a route that I have kind of done repeatedly throughout my training for this thing. And along my normal route, there's some road work happening on the road. And so I'm riding through the bike lane. There's a ton of cars on the road and there's a bunch of traffic because of the construction. And so as I'm riding, I start to get nudged over by a car and I get nudged over, nudged over. 
And what I don't see is this three inch lip of uneven concrete on the side of the bike lane. And my wheel clips, I go down, I land on my right side, my bike gets trashed. I get some pretty good road rash and I land directly on the side of my right knee, right where the IT band inserts down into the knee. So I get back on my bike and I have another 15 miles in the ride and I I start spinning. And for the rest of that ride, my knee was killing me. It was really, really painful. And so I finished the ride and then it was supposed to be a brick workout. So I go on a run after and I just kind of try to see if I can run a little bit. And I had zero pain running. So no knee pain running. I go on my run, I finish the workout and it was great. But Anytime I jump on the bike after that, my knee was uncomfortable. So I met with a sports medicine provider in the area. I also met with our physical therapist on staff, Pierre, and got a lot of support and help from both of them and worked through the knee pain that I was experiencing with a bunch of conservative measures. And so amidst all that, I was pretty nervous going into this race. I was worried about my knee. I had no idea what was going to happen on the bike because even to the Friday before the race, my knee was a little bit flared up, a little bit irritated. And so I'm on the plane ride and I'm just not really talking to my wife. I'm pretty quiet. And um, I actually thought back on a podcast that I had done with Sam Hughes a couple months ago. And in the podcast, Sam had tweaked his glute heading into a race and he was doing this ultra race. And he talked about how nervous he was going into that event. And really for the first half of the event, he was worried. He was down. He was kind of in the depths of despair, even though he was running really well. And midway through the race, he talks about this conversation that he had with himself of, you know, you got to enjoy this day. And I don't want to butcher what he said, but if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. But I thought a lot about the conversation that I had with Sam and the way that he discussed the mental process that he went through. And I kind of went through the same mental process on the plane ride. I kind of discussed with myself like, hey, you've done everything that you can to prepare for this. You've done everything that you can to make sure that your knee is in a good place heading into this. There's no potential for you to do heavy damage to your knee. You're going to be fine, even if there's a little bit of discomfort. So try to enjoy the weekend. So once we land in Oregon, I'm in a totally different headspace. And as we progress towards the race and we go through the debrief before the race, we set up the transitions, we get the nutrition ready. You know, I'm hanging with my buddies that are doing the race with me. I get more and more settled in. I get more and more calm. And by the time the race is going to start, I'm feeling super fired up. And so the morning of the race, we get there at 5 a.m., set up the bike, make sure the nutrition's all dialed, make sure the transitions are all dialed, and get my wetsuit on, get ready for the swim. And during my training for this race, I went out and I was doing ocean swimming and pool swimming, but I put in an ocean swim that was almost two and a half miles long because I was pretty, you know, I wanted to be very comfortable with whatever came on race day in regards to just being in the water and feeling confident that I could not only do the distance, but keep my heart rate down and feel very comfortable transitioning into the bike. And so I had a pretty good idea of how long the swim should take me somewhere from 30 to 33 minutes, maybe 35 minutes if I was really slowing down. And so when we got to the race, the race happens or the swim happens in a river and you're swimming with the current in the river. 
And so we jump in the water and the swim takes me like 21 minutes, which is outrageous. I would never swim that fast if it was in the ocean or in a lake or anything like that. But so the swim goes by super quick and I jump out of the water. I'm kind of laughing to myself as we're transitioning over to the bike and the transition took me forever. So I kind of made up the time uh, during my transition. So I get on the bike, I start riding and I'm about eight miles in. And I'm riding my bike in the bike lane, kind of over on the shoulder. And this guy comes up on my left and he's passing me, of course. And so I turn, I turn my head, I look at him and I just give him a word of encouragement. And as I turn my head back to look straight ahead, the road had slightly turned and I was in a ditch. And before you know it, I'm down on the pavement again. So I crashed on my bike at mile eight in the ride. And I'm on the ground, I get, this time is on my left side, so I get road rash all over my left side. And actually right now my left elbow is on fire. It's just, road rash is the worst thing ever. But so I land on my left side, I check my bike, make sure everything's okay, get back on the bike, start spinning, and and everything was fine. I was a little bit sore, but, but it was... It was this hilarious experience because I was so worried about my right side, my right knee, all that. And then I crash on my left side and I'm having to manage, you know, my left hip and my elbow throughout the rest of the race. So I'm on the bike and ended up having a killer bike ride. Just had a, a really good time on the bike, chatting people up, making sure that I kept my eyes forward for the rest of the race. Um, but hammered the nutrition on the bike, make sure that I made sure that I was dialed there. And, um, as I was heading into the run, I hadn't really chosen my pace for the run. Uh, my decision was, I'm going to see how my body feels coming off the bike, making sure that I don't cramp. And then once I get off the bike, I'll start running a little bit and see what my forever pace will be. I just wanted to hit something that I felt like I could hold for, you know, 26 miles. And so I start out, I start running and I, I catch that pace and I'm feeling really good coming off the bike. And I decided I was going to hold that for the first six miles and see if I cramped or anything popped up. And if nothing popped up, then I was going to step on the gas a little bit and do the back half of that run a little bit faster. And so I get to mile six and I start to feel a little cramp pop up in my right hamstring. And I immediately know, okay, I'm just going to hold this pace for the rest of the run. So I end up holding the pace and aerobically I was, you know, my heart rate was low. I was feeling really good. And so the run was really just a blast. Uh, it felt really good throughout. And so finished strong, gave my wife a big hug at the end, gave my niece and nephew who were there a big hug at the end, my brother, all of our friends that were there and just had such a positive experience, not only throughout the race, but also with family and friends. And, and so Overall, weekend was a 10 out of 10. First triathlon, 10 out of 10. I'm definitely going to do another one. Um, signed up for one later on this year, and I am psyched to train and do it uh, and very pumped about that. So coming off that this week, the week has been crazy. You know, getting back into the swing of things with work, having extra appointments that have been pushed over because I was out of town for a day or two. It's just made things really crazy, but I've maintained my routine and the routine is pretty much every morning I wake up around 5 a.m. and while I drink my coffee, I read the news. And as I'm reading the news this morning, I see a headline about the weight loss drug Ozempic. 
And the headline was, they took blockbuster drugs for weight loss and diabetes. Now their stomachs are paralyzed. And I just immediately had to read the article. And so I'm reading through the article and it's basically talking about this weight loss drug that has been blowing up. Tons of people have been using this drug. There's a bunch of celebrities that have come out and talked about using it. It's a diabetes drug. And actually, I'll talk through the actual logistics of the drug itself. This is from the article. The diabetes drug Ozempic and its sister drug for weight loss, Wegovi, utilize the same medication, semaglutide. These and other drugs in this family, which includes medications like terzapeptide and liraglutide, work by mimicking a hormone that's naturally made in the body, GLP-1. One of the roles of GLP-1 is to slow down the passage of food through the stomach, which helps people feel fuller longer. And basically the article breaks down all these different cases where people have been on the drug and have had really challenging side effects. There was one woman named Emily Wright. She's 38 years old. She's a teacher in Toronto and she started taking Ozempic in 2018. Over a year, she said she lost 80 pounds on the drug. That is an insane amount of weight to lose, which she's been able to keep off, it says. But Wright said she now vomits so frequently that she's had to take a leave of absence from work. And basically, the article talks about all these people that are just vomiting all the time due to the effects that are going on in their GI system from this drug. And... I want to be really careful about the way that I talk about weight loss. I do think that weight loss in general is very multifaceted. Obesity is very complex and challenging, and it's a real issue in our society that we've got to figure out. It sounds like Ozempic, which seemed like the miracle cure for obesity, is probably not the solution. Uh, it is interesting to hear about some of these drugs coming out. I'm always fascinated by the progression of science and the different things coming out. But when something like this sounds too good to be true, it almost certainly is. And I think that we're starting to see these stories trickle out about the true effects of what Ozempic truly has to offer. So those are my two cents on Ozempic. I'm sure that we'll probably talk about it again in the future, but it's just... I think it's a dicey game to play when you start diving into these weight loss drugs. My recommendation is find something that you love to do, like mountain biking, hiking, trail running, swimming, surfing. Find those activities that really connect with your joy of movement. Leverage those activities for exercise. And then eat in a way that supports your ability to do those with longevity and high performance. And generally speaking, that is clean eating. I am not a nutritionist, but there are some really simple things that you can do to improve your diet, lose some weight, and overall improve your ability to take part in those sports. All right. Our final topic of discussion today is a slight sidebar from the Ozempic and weight loss conversation, mainly because at the center of that conversation is overconsumption. And I've been reading this book over the past week or so. The book is called $100 Million Offers and it's written by Alex Hormozzi. I shouldn't say that I'm reading it because I'm listening to it like I do most books. But the book is about entrepreneurship and business. So if you're not into those things, you will not like this book. I do not recommend it. But he has a quote in the book where he says, your most valuable asset is your attention. 
And as I'm listening to the book, I usually listen to books on 1.25 or 1.5x. So I'm listening to it quickly. And I rewind that part probably four or five times. And I wrote it down in my notebook. And I've really been thinking about that the last few days. And the reason why it's stuck with me so much is I have been somewhat oblivious to the things that I'm directing my attention to. There's been a lot of mindless scrolling. There's been a lot of things that I've been consuming recently that have not been supportive of the goals that I have for myself. And so I've done an audit in the last couple of days of the things that I'm paying my attention to, the things that I'm listening to, watching, reading, the things that I'm scrolling through on social media. And I've begun to really take note of what I'm spending my time and energy on. And oh my God, in the last couple of days, I've caught myself opening up Instagram and mindlessly scrolling so many times. And the, the cool thing is, I think previously that would go on for way longer than it should. But now I'm kind of catching myself like just that instinct to do it. It's an amazing thing. The addiction is very real. I am addicted. And so I keep catching myself, you know, starting to scroll through stuff. And then I stop myself. I'm like, shut that down. And I go back to doing what I'm doing. And granted, I'm a pretty locked in guy. Like I'm a very structured guy. I am up early. I'm working tirelessly all day long. I'm working out. I do a lot of things. I'm a pretty effective person in regards to getting things done. But even amidst that, I catch myself wasting my attention. Not only am I wasting my time, but I am also being impacted by the things that I'm allowing to seep into my brain. And I've realized that there's just a lot of stuff that I've kind of become numb to, especially when it comes to social media. And I've realized how big of an issue that is. The overconsumption that I have been doing in regards to social media, and we're talking, I think that I'm on social media a lot less than many other people, but because it's a part of my job, it is so easy to sneak into that cycle of scrolling and mindlessly consuming this information. And what I've realized is that it impacts me as subtle as it feels it really gets inside of you and impacts the way that you are in your relationships, the way that you show up for yourself when you're trying to execute on your goals. There are so many different ways that the things that we don't even think about that we're consuming impact us. And so over the last few days, I started to audit those things and I'm taking action. I'm starting to change those habits a little bit and I've set up some guardrails for myself so that I am not mindlessly consuming information on any level to a degree that's impacting the direction that I want to head in my life. And so that's been on my mind heavily the last few days. I'll talk about this in future podcasts, kind of update you guys just to make sure that I'm staying accountable with it. But it's definitely something I recommend doing, you know, writing out the amount of time and the things that you're looking at. Like what if you actually wrote out in a journal, the things that you looked at online? And then at the end of the day, looked at all the nonsense that you consumed. That's the process that I'm going through right now. And it's eye-opening. And so I think the riptide of our society is pulling us in a direction that I know that for myself, it's a direction that I probably don't want to go. And it's distracting me in a way that will prevent me from actually moving forward in the direction that I want to go. And so I'm trying to be very mindful of that and stay very locked into 
being intentional about the direction that I'm heading and reflecting that not only in the things that I'm consuming, but also what I'm spending my time on. And so that's been a really positive thing for me. It's a challenging thing initially, and it's slightly embarrassing to talk about on a podcast, uh, mainly because I think when it comes down to it, a lot of us would be embarrassed about some of the things that we consume. Even if they feel innocuous in a way, the things that we consume are so important. And I've, I've really come to appreciate this concept of our attention being our most valuable asset. And where we place our attention will dictate a lot of the things that we do and the way that we show up for people in our lives. So I want to encourage you guys to do that audit. Check that out. You know, Start keeping track of the things that you're paying attention to and see how that changes over time when you start becoming more intentional about the way that you spend your time and energy and the things that you consume. All right, that's it for today's podcast. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Ever Athlete Podcast. I will catch you next time.